first of all, I enjoyed your worship. I'm back there on the drums and just you're rocking out here. You you do okay. You were sway, you were swaying, you know. But but yeah. No, she was Cindy was jamming. It was it was it yeah, it was it was great. It was great. Um give me just a minute. I brought a few things. Um it's a little bit of a show and tell as I talk today. I don't like to say preach, but this is actually announcing some new things. That's a white stone. If you can just pass it through the congregation as I go through the message, that would be great. We'll get to the, uh, no, we won't. We'll get to it now. So when I began to end this message, um, write it down, think about it, pray, and just listen, really. You know, God's out there speaking. He's out there loving on us, and it's just listening. So this, I have a truck that was graciously given to me by someone a number of years ago, and it fit perfect because when we began doing landscaping, we needed a truck, and there it was. So, but this guy right here, was always attached to the rear up here on the windshield. And it fell off in my lap four or five times. That's never fallen off before. So just keep that in mind. I'm not going to pass this around because it's still got all the old glue and stuff on it. But that's a rearview mirror, okay? So, and literally, it would fall off into my lap. And I would re-glue it. A couple days later, a week later, it would fall off again. And then it would fall off again. And then it would fall off again. And I said, okay, God. I, I, I didn't get it until the last time that it fell off. But you'll get it as we get into the message some more. So I'm going to move these out here. Unclip this one thing. And we'll get rolling. So the other guys are a little bit better at this than I am. So I need notes still. But I will. Oh, thank you. You're so sweet. But I will get there. So, Zach, if you can put the, uh, no, actually, you know what, let's pray first. I'm so grateful to God I want to get on my knees, but that might be sensational or, or interpreted as sensational. So picture me on my knees because I'm very grateful to him. And before I begin this message and this prayer, I want to dedicate it to my daughter, Joy. <laughs> this little girl is so tender and so sweet and just tough as nails and strong as a lion. She feels the gamut of everything. And I had the opportunity to exhort and encourage her this morning. I had her in my arms. <laughs> it's the same girl that was, when she was two, I used to throw her way up in the air and catch her, put her on my shoulders, and this is for you, okay? So let's pray. Oh, Father, we love you. We exalt you, God. We adore you, God. Yes, God, you are so amazing. Lord, I ask that you usher in more and more and more and more of your sweet presence today, God. How good and how pleasant it is, God. Not just when we're in unity, but when we gather, God. Just even that sigh of relief I had backstage when Doug and Cindy sat down in their rightful places, God. We do need each other, Lord. Like they spoke about in the military, Rob shared, you need the guy on the right, you need the guy on the left. You do. I did. And Lord, I thank you that today you're going to move in ways we may not see and feel and touch, God, and we may see, feel, and touch. But you're moving in such a precious in a tender way today amongst us, God. You will continue to be in motion and continue to gain traction as we leave this place today and walk out these doors, God. Use me, God. Use me, God. You are always moving. <laughs> you are always going somewhere, God. And we're following you, God. In Jesus' name. Brother, I have a word for you. I shared that with your wife yesterday. Been on my heart for a week. I'm just going to release it. Son and daughter, son, I say to you this day, before my congregation of believers, you have carried my heart and my intense desire for fellowship, 
for unity, for friendship, for cohesiveness, for togetherness, says God. You have felt my pain. You have felt my heart, says the Lord. My spirit is here today, speaking today, now, says God, to encourage you in the things that you want, the things that you desire for this body, the things you want in your friendship, says God, the things that you want to see come to pass, says the Lord. Those things are real. Those things are inside me, and I have put those things inside you, says God. Do not doubt. Do not faint. Do not grow weary, says the Lord, for I am walking them out through you, says God. You are like a weather vane in my body, says the Lord, and I'm speaking to you primarily first, and from you and through you I will express my love, my intense desire to bring my people together, says God. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, Zach, if you can uh, throw up the first picture on the screen for us. First thing I want to talk about is trajectory. Every time I try to say that to my wife, try to say that three times fast. You will not be able to do it. But anyway, there are, on the left is the point of origin where the three, the green, the blue, and the red line comes together. And on the right, all the way up, is the destination, okay? So, very simply, you can get all complicated about it, but very simply put, today God's going to be talking about The closest distance between two points is just simply not always a straight line. Can't be in the kingdom. He's just got too many things going on. He's got too many things in his heart. So if you keep in mind that word trajectory, and like I said, probably that's the last time I'm going to say it because I don't say it. Actually, I was going to share this. I almost forgot. Friday, um, my tongue was swollen up so much and my mouth was swollen, and I totally believe in doctors. I couldn't talk. Like this. I tried to do the mic on my phone to talk to some customers, and I, man, it was, I couldn't, I was telling Wayman, and he just, he, he encouraged me, and he said, all the more that God wants to bring the word. I stood, I stood on healing, um, got some prayer, and, uh, and we're good to go. So, with trajectory, I want to look at two people's lives, one in the Word of God that we'll get to, one in modern day that I want to talk about right now. Um, I love and I'm fascinated with time travel. I don't know if anybody's ever going to be able to do it. I doubt it. I know Jesus can time travel. Heck yeah. (laughs) So anyway, I want to go back to 1992. And in 1992, um, these are some of the things that were going on in our nation. Um, The Democratic National Convention nominated Bill Clinton and Al Gore to be the representatives for the upcoming election in November for president and vice president. Um, Microsoft Windows came out. Microsoft 3.1. I think we're at 10 or 11 right now. Very simplified version of the program that we know right now. And then on the challenging side, the Rodney King case was in Los Angeles. Extreme, intense Violence, intention culturally and racially, not good. So those were some of the events going on then. But also in the summer in 1992, they had the Olympics in Barcelona, Spain. Now, four years before that, they had the Olympics in the summer in Seoul, Korea. There was a fellow by the name of Derek Redmond. Derek was from Great Britain. Um, neat guy, the more I learned about him, the more I was just in awe of him as a character. He was favored to win the 400-meter race in 1988, and he was in the finals. So they stretch out and they warm up before the race. Two minutes before he got on the block, you know, they put their foot back on the block to settle in and push off. He's stretching. He tore his Achilles tendon. Two minutes before the race. Eight surgeries later, and everybody's saying, you can't do it. You're not going to come through this. You just need to shelf your desires and your aspirations. Eight surgeries later, he was back on Great Britain's Olympic team. Two years, eight surgeries. The next year, 
before the 92 Olympics in 91, he, he, he was the captain of the 4x4 relay team. They each ran 100 meters. That team won the gold medal in the world championships. He anchored that team. So people, he was like the man in England. I mean, people were just amazed. Lots of stories about him going on and stuff like that. So he gets into the 92 Olympics, and again, he's favored to either win the gold or at least medal. And so he's in the semifinal race. Zach has a video, about four minutes. We're going to play it. I want you to watch what happens to him, what happens around him, and then we're going to tie him into the theme of what God's talking about today. So, Zach, whenever you're ready, we're good.
on a side note, the song is what caught me. The story obviously caught me first. That song says, and, <laughs> and you and I will never die. We will never die. Can't say that for everybody, can we? We will never die. How can you not be grateful? Sorry. So Derek tore his hamstring, tore it off the bone. Don't want to know what that feels like. The trajectory of Derek's life changed that day. He couldn't come back. He couldn't. Some Olympic athletes make it three or four times because they're just like that. He couldn't come back from that one. So he then picked up his pieces. He was headed this way, and he started going that way, just like the curve lines that we saw. And God's going to be speaking to that today because we've all had that in one instance or some way or another in our lives. So he then became a motivational speaker, quite popular, you would think. Not just schools, hospitals, um, <laughs> on TV, all over the place. And he's been a speaker for 20 years, and I think he just retired recently. But what a heck of a story, and what a heck of a guy. I listened to some of his interviews, and uh, I mean, what the heck if you have a dad like that? You know, his father... There's narration on the screen, but when his father came down, he said to him, I'm going to choke up again. He said, you don't have to finish because you're always a champion in your family's eyes. <laughs> always a champion in your family's eyes. Dad didn't care. He was his coach, too. So, you know, you have a lot of opposite stories of that going on. So I haven't talked about that. That has everything to do with change, that has everything to do with trajectory, that has everything to do with didn't turn out like I thought, and how did I get here anyway, it has a lot to do with all that, and I think we all can ask that, I think there's no shame, and there's no condemnation, and there's no wrong in wondering, because we've all bounced off our line in God, where we thought we were going, and what we perceived he was saying, so I want to move out of a very moving story into another moving story. Acts 6 through 8 talks about Stephen. Stephen falls into trajectory also. Stephen was um, a compelling young man. He was 29 years old when the apostles figured out, I can't do everything. And they wanted to spread the gospel further. They wanted to go out of Laodicea. They wanted to go out of Ephesus. They wanted to go out of the different churches in Southeast Asia and move away from the cities, which was difficult in those times because there were bands of um, thieves and criminals around. It wasn't just, yeah, I'll just go travel. There was a lot going on in that time that told them not to, but yet the heartbeat of God in them wanted to move outside the city limits and go to other places. But they couldn't because in the home churches... You had the elderly, you had the widows, and you had the poor. And they were um, responsible for them and felt a responsibility. So they brought the council together. They asked the council to meet and choose leaders to help with the sick, help with the poor, help with the widows. And the first one they chose was Stephen. Now, Stephen was 29 years old at the time that they chose him. They chose him because won't put this one on the screen, but in the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 10, here's, here's what got Stephen to where he was with the favor with the apostles. But they were not able to resist the intelligence and the wisdom and the inspiration of the spirit with which and by whom he spoke. You couldn't, <laughs> couldn't resist him. Kind of like when he speaks, it's like, oh, okay, all right, I'll do it. Yeah, sure. It's just, God, it's a gift from God. It's a gift that was working in Stephen. So, and I mean that as a full compliment in front of everybody. So, Stephen was chosen. And, um, of course, he took it, you know, they chose, I think, about seven or eight others. And they went out through all, all the churches with that responsibility so they could free up the apostles. And Stephen began to preach and speak all the more. And he began to go into places like, 
Jerusalem and other places, and he began to speak out for God and on God's behalf. And Zach, if you can put up the first set of scripture from Acts chapter 7, start at verse 51. I'm going to read this from my notes. I want you to hear. It's a bit of scripture, but I think it it bears um, listening to. So the setting, the historical setting of this is that um, Stephen was um, so on fire for God, like you, that he really raised up a lot of opposition. And there was a group called the Synagogue of Freed Men, who were former Jewish slaves. They began to really oppose Stephen in a not, not really nice way. They began to hire people. You can see it in Scripture. Historically, people also account for it, too. And they began to persuade them to bear false witness against Stephen, say things that weren't true, to get him to be accused to go in front of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin were tribunals of either 31 or 72 rabbis over each town, and they were the court of justice of that time. So it's not the happiest story, but it has a a really good ending. So they um, delivered him up to the Sanhedrin. They got enough evidence, quote-unquote, against him to get him before the high priest. This scripture comes when he responds to the high priest because he has to, he's put in a position by false accusation because he loves God to have to give an account for himself. Now, before this, there's a beautiful exhortation about Joseph about Moses, he goes into a historical account of where the Jewish people came from and where they were taken by leaders that God had put in place in their communities. And it's really a great exhortation. But then he gets himself in trouble. He doesn't care. He starts and he says, you stubborn and stiff-necked people, still heathen and uncircumcised in heart and ears. He's talking to the Sanhedrin. You are always actively resisting the Holy Spirit, as your forefathers also did. Which of the prophets did your forefathers not persecute? And they slew those who, who, claim, who proclaimed beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you now have betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as it was ordained and set in order and delivered by angels, and yet you did not obey it. Now, upon hearing these things, I want you guys to listen to this. They, the Jewish people, were cut to the heart. However, they were infuriated. They ground their teeth against Stephen. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, and controlled by him, gazed into heaven, saw the glory, the splendor, and the majesty of God, and Jesus standing at God's right hand, And he said, look, or behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at God's right hand. But the Jewish people raised a great shout. Listen to this, for you who are in the work world, and I'm not criticizing anybody. They put their hands over their ears, and they rushed together upon him. Then they dragged, now, I mean, this is extreme. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And, you know, before that, there's an account from the Sanhedrin that's in the Word of God where they say, as Stephen was speaking, his face shone like that of an angel. And the Sanhedrin knew that. And that was recorded for the witnesses that saw it. And the witnesses placed their garments, and we're going to go here too, at the feet of a young man. Anybody know who that young man was? Saul of Tarsus. Yes. Also Paul. And while they were stoning Stephen, he prayed. Get me here, God. Lord Jesus, receive and accept and welcome my spirit. And then he said, falling on his knees, he cried out loudly, Lord, fix not this sin upon them. Lay it not, lay it not to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep in death. So trajectory, huh? 
I don't think Stephen thought he would be where he was. But yet he just did what was inside his heart. He was following God. He was going where God wanted him to go. I'm going to tie a little historical context in here and then get right back on point. When trajectory goes in motion, it talks about the scientific principle is that it's either an object with mass in motion as a function of time or a person's life path in motion as a function of time. What happens is when we get moving, either as a body or as individuals for Christ, all, all these other things start to happen. If we don't, I'm not telling anybody to get moving, but if we don't move, all these other things don't happen. It's just how it is. No condemnation, no harm, no foul, just kind of how it is. I can give examples on both sides of my life. So two unforeseen things happened from the event of Stephen's life. First of all, before I get into that quickly, there's a scripture that says they heavily lamented and mourned intensely the death of Stephen. They were rocked. This is the new church. We're just doing what Jesus did, but we're not planning on this happening. <laughs> so this was a new event for them. However, arising from that, right out of the word of God, Saul began a vicious personal persecution of the way. That's what the church was called by outsiders at that time, the way. As the early Christian church was called, Acts 8.1 I'll keep this off the screen. Saul was not only consenting to Stephen's death. He was pleased and entirely approving. Right out of the word of God. I'm just reading out of the word of God. On that day, a great and a severe persecution broke out against the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered. They were pushed out of their comfort zone throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. The apostles stayed home. Everybody else got pushed out because they ran in fear. It's okay. It's okay to be afraid sometimes. God will get us through it. I want you to listen to this one. And this, this jumps out of Acts 8, 1 and 8, 2 and moves into Acts 8, 3. But Saul shamefully treated and laid waste to the early church continuously with cruelty and with violence. He would enter house after house after house and he would drag out men and women and commit them to prison simply because they were part of the way. So the effects of trajectory, that's one. Not very much later at all. I'll read this to you. Saul was struck down on the Damascus Road. <laughs> Do you think that some of those events bouncing off that trajectory put him in that light with God because God had to, he had to do something with his son. And before I move on, I want to wrap around with Saul because later on down the road when Saul was out preaching for God, he was in Jerusalem and he got dragged outside of the city. But God did him a little bit differently for his reasons. God brought in a general of the army, of the Roman army at the time, and the people who were getting ready to kill Paul, this is, this is what he says to them. When the blood of your witness and martyr Stephen was shed, I also was personally standing by and consenting and approving and guarding the garments of those who slew him. You can't say that all these things mixed together to produce, wish I had the map up there, but it's all good, to produce a different outcome that God wanted. So it's these very things that lead us up to the point. All that stuff and those stories, not really on my heart. They are just outside effects that help to come up under the point and the heartbeat that I feel for God today. So, Zach, if you can put up the next scripture from Genesis. Father, help me. I want to be very careful with this point. Genesis fifty twenty, Joseph. One of my all-time favorite people in the Bible. <laughs> He's too cool for school. As for you, 
Joseph is talking to his brothers. That's the context. They've now come full circle. Joseph was, I'm sure we all know this, Joseph was sold into slavery, delivered up into the hands of the Egyptians. The trajectory of Joseph's life certainly got off where I'm sure, right? He thought he was going, okay? So it says, as for you, you thought evil against me, speaking to his brothers. But God meant, that's a strong word. He didn't turn it. He meant it for good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are this day. So encapsulated in this scripture, I have, we live in Brander Mill, and I was, we have bike paths and walking paths, so I love to go out on prayer walks when I can, which is a lot less than I used to be able to with everything going on in our house now lately, which is good stuff. But um, I'm walking down the path, and man, this scripture, it just, oh, it just, you know, I wasn't even really beginning to seek God. I knew that I would be able to speak, but I hadn't really begun to seek him, and man, he just opened up this place in my heart and dropped this scripture. And I knew what he was saying, and I immediately asked just for wisdom and guidance of how to communicate it, because I'm about to speak to us corporately and personally. Personally, I respect you. I'm not here to step on your toes, and I'm not here to tell you that or make light of what you've been through. Corporately, I'm motivated as all get out, because I know God is so motivated to bring us and grow us and keep us moving on down the path. So, God is speaking to the past. Okay? Rear view mirror. Thing, it, every time, it fell off in my lap every time. In my, right, boom, right there. And like the fifth time, I finally made the connection. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> but things have happened in your past. I got a word for you, buddy. I'm just going to jump right in the middle of it. Love you. Son, I say to you this day, change surely is coming, as you well know. And I have prepared you, says the Lord. I've made you an overcomer, says God. Receive. Receive from me, says God. Though the way has been difficult, though the way has been challenging, though the way has been ununderstandable, is this not for me to decide, says God? Is this not what you signed up for, says God? You've laid it all down, says the Lord. I commend you in front of my family this day, says God. I'm making and will continue to make and I'm entirely pleased with the Father who I'm making you to be, says the Lord. Amen. So, there are things that have been on in our past. God wants to move corporately together. There are things going on in our body right now that are setting us up to be in that place, to move on down the road. And this is a road that he's choosing and that he wants and he desires. But in order to move on down the road, the past that we stand on is being addressed by his spirit. It is preaching because he's announcing some things. He's announcing to you today and to us today corporately and individually that he's bringing together those places that may have not come together for you yet in the past, those places that are not understandable, those places that have gaps, those places that have an I don't know attached to it, God is speaking to those places right now. It doesn't have to happen like poof, you know, boo, oh, he did something in my spirit right now. It's going to happen as you sit, as you walk out those doors, as you walk into next week, and as you walk into next month, says God. Because I'm the God who moves, and I'm the God who's in motion. And I'm speaking to traction for my body, says the Lord. And I'm doing a new work, says God. And You may be tired of hearing a new work, says God, and when's something going to happen that I can see? I'm not interested in what you can or can't see, says God. My heart of love is interested in bringing wholeness and health to you this day, says the Lord. And I'm actively and I'm strongly seeking and looking into your past, says the Lord. And my spirit is hot 
about bringing things together for you, says God. Places of ununderstandable situations. Why did that happen? Why didn't that happen? How could that have happened? I'm addressing today, says God, in a personal way, in a right way, says the Lord. I'm bringing roads that are crossed together, says God. So you know what? There are things in the past we just need to forget. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. But there are also some things in the past, too, that we don't have understanding about yet. And this is where he's asking you to trust that it's good. Okay, now there's some things that aren't good. I'm not making this a marquee, boom, we're good to go, all set now. Mm -mm, I'm not like that, and he's not like that. But he's addressing our hearts individually and our hearts corporately because just like this stage up here, firm foundation, right? Ryan Bastris came, and he had a great word. And you know what he spoke to? He spoke to the foundations of our body. Most of his word and most of his heartbeat was about the foundations. And, and you don't have to agree with me. I'm just sharing what I hear the Lord saying to my heart, and it's great if you don't because I need other perspectives. I need to see different ways. But God's saying to me to share the fact that you can't move into your future until you can stand on your past in a way that it can't be shaken. That's what he's saying. You can't move into your future until you can stand on a past that can't be shaken. Some of you have to be so accurate that there can't be hesitation. And some of us, there can be. It's perfectly fine. But he's addressing that. He's bringing that together. And as I said, it doesn't have to be a kazam in your heart right now. I'm telling you. You can put my reputation on it. It's going to happen in the weeks to come and in the months to come and in the days to come because he's all about that because he's, he's so loving, so loving. So, Zach, if you can put the picture of the needle's eye up. See the gate in the left corner? See the big gate? So, during business hours... <laughs> the camel and people would travel through that into fortified cities of ancient times. The after-hours door is down on the left. That's called the needle's eye. God's taking us. You don't have to do anything to make it happen. He's doing this. We so agree on all that. We don't need to do jumping jacks and read our Bible and pray to do this. He's doing this just because. That little gate is called the needle's eye. And the only way the camel could get through is to get down on his knees. See the baggage on top of him? They had to take that off and unstrap it so that camel could get down on its knees and crawl. And then they would bring the provision and the baggage and the other things through. So what God's doing right now in our lives over the next short period of time is he's like a heat-seeking missile in love. He's going down into your heart, and he's redistributing, rearranging, and bringing things together from 20 years ago, from 10 years ago, from two weeks ago, and two months ago. Hurt, pain, difficulty, shame, remorse, disconnectivity. <laughs> God's hot after our enemies. He, he, pray, he had a rifle. He Rifle had a great prayer for me. I mean, told, five minutes before I came up to the prayer circle is everything I was thinking. He prayed. I'm like, oh, isn't that beautiful? Sorry. There's that word again. <laughs> so, so anyway, he said, Rifle, in the prayer, God is vengeant, intense, and stirred up about our enemies. But he's gentle and loving and caring for us, okay? So he's fervent about what he wants to do in our hearts. He's like resolved. It's like in the military, when you get the command to go, you go. You don't sit there and say, huh, should I, what? You can't do that. You're trained in such a way that when you hear the command, you go, because you know if you don't, you could be putting somebody's life in jeopardy. That's how you're trained in basic training. That's the reason 
command, go, command, go. There's no time to wonder or ask questions. But that fervency that they use in the military to strike, God is fervent after our hearts to build a base, to bring about the dreams that have been in leaders' hearts for decades because he's saying, I won't let go. Nope, ain't happening in your lifetime. So, having said that, what do we do with that? I've spoken about what God's about and what he's doing. Zach, if you can put up the scripture from Philippians. I want to read this before I get into Philippians. I want to make reference to rifle because I study the sermons that go before me about a good month, five weeks before me, I talk to people, either at events, after church. I find people in our congregation, and I ask them two questions. What's going on with your relationship with God, and what's going on in your heart towards our body? And this time, when I did it, I heard concerns, good concerns, about the outcome of our church. Well, where are we going? How are we going there? I'm trying to answer some of those. So I'm going to make reference to Rifle, Paul, and Danielle. There's a new way of thinking at Harvest Renewal Church, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And Rifle in particular, he would use, why do you reason amongst yourselves? Because God's about doing the reasoning. He's bringing about, Doug introduced a year of prayer, a year of unity, a year of changing how we go to church. Doug introduced it, but God started it. So what do we do with the fact that he's going into our hearts like a heat-seeking missile in a loving way and arranging things so that we can stand on a past to face a certain future? What do we do about that? Well, it's also in the Word of God. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet, but one thing I do, it is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize. He's writing to a Greek people. He's writing to a people who are all about sports and all about competition. So he's writing to them in their language. But I think we can understand this language. I press on toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us. Thank you again, Cindy. You don't have to press. Okay, it doesn't mean you go press. This is how I interpret it. If you interpret it as press, then by all means press, please, honestly. Okay? God's pressing. God's doing this. Right into your heart. Pressing. Love. 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 Past is gone, son. No more thinking about it. It's gone. I don't care. Should you? So, having said that, why do we need to do this? Why should we press on? Why should we forget what lies behind? Now, I'm not making light of pain and difficulty that we've been through. Please hear my heart. That's been my heart for the last month over this word. I'm not making light of anything anyone has been through whatsoever. I take it as seriously as you take it. If it's serious to you, you better believe it's serious to me. Who am I, as Joseph said, to stand in the place of God? I'm just not. Why should we do this? I pass around a white stone. Zach, can you put the scripture from Revelation up? Okay. So, I've made a few references to Cindy because I think... She and I are very um, kindred about not moving in our own strength (laughs) and very trusting about the fact that God's always moving and always at work in us. So let's read this scripture together. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You're the churches. You're the church. We're the church. To him that overcomes, Seth. I will give to eat of the hidden manna. We're not going to go. I wanted to go into hidden manna. I knew we wouldn't have time. We're not going there. 
and we'll give him a white stone. We are going there. In ancient times, a white stone in the tribunal meant acquittal. Whatever crime you were charged with, you were acquitted from by the representation of a white stone. And those 31 rabbis or 72 rabbis serving on, obviously, the the bigger council for the bigger city, the smaller council for the smaller city, they would push forward either a white stone or a black stone. Black stone condemned. White stone acquitted and free. Okay? That's how they did it. To him that overcometh, I will give to either the hidden man or will give him a white stone. And in the stone, listen to that, in it, not on it, in the stone. In the stone. I, I, I could preach on that word in for a whole day, for the whole, whatever these, what, this time. <laughs> Honestly, that's fascinating what that really means. And in the stone, a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. So, I want to read this application from a book. The book is Active Christianity by Catherine Albig and Bjorn Nielsen. And this is great. This name will reflect the battles that you have stood in. Hey. And the, su- and the sufferings that you have endured. It will illustrate who you have become because of your faithfulness and because of God's grace. You know the battles you had to endure. You, 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 you. Know the battles you've had to endure to get there. And you will immediately identify with that name. Hey, it will be the ultimate symbol of victory and transformation for you. Okay. So what I believe and what was in my heart to share regarding not just that scripture, one of the words God spoke was incentive and reward. And just to further play on the fact that we don't have to move in our own strength, God is setting you up individually, and I'll announce this too, and setting us up corporately because he's putting us in a position to be overcomers. Okay? And then what he says is, to the overcomer, you get this. Like I could go into hidden manna. I could go into more. I could go into um, what in the white stone means. But we don't have time today. He's setting you up for victory. Hear me carefully. Um, When I say setting you up, I mean he's going to do it all. You just wake up and you just stay faithful. He's doing it. We're not real good at that as people. (laughs) I speak for myself. I'm not real good at that as a person. Um, Talk to my son, Ethan. He's here. And his wonderful friend, Savannah, is with him. Talk to my family. Talk to people who have to live with me, especially when it comes to work. I'm about being proactive, highly engaging, and all that stuff. I come out of a a U-Crops family that trained me that way. So it just spins inside of me. It is what it is for right now until God gets more and more a hold of it. He's doing this is what I'm trying to say. All we have to do is faithfully walk with him. All we have to do is wake up in the morning. All we have to do is acknowledge that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And all I have to do is give you a word. Father, I thank you for my brother, God, full of knowledge, steadfast man, principled man, a teacher by nature, God. I thank you for him. I thank you for your gift of him to the body of Christ. Son, I say to you this day, though the Though the road has been long. And some of the accolades have been short. I am lifting you up, says God. You will see yourself and find yourself in places you would not even dare think or imagine, says God. 
These places will be lofty even to you, says God. For I'm using your imagination. I'm using your teachability. I'm using your keen intellect that I have given you to influence not just the few, but the many, says God. Write it down, says the Lord. For I am hot and I'm actively doing this in your life, says God. And I appreciate you, says the Lord. I appreciate what you bring to my table, says God. So, we've traveled the whole way around, and I'm landing right on time. <laughs> Thank you, God. <laughs> you know, I got a correction today from a friend, because I was thinking about this message too much. And the friend said, that's because you're just going to have to flow. So, I've done that. Thank God. Now, I want this last scripture. If you can put the one from Hebrews 11 up, Zach. I want us to say this together. This has been a tough message to bear. I don't know why in my heart. Um, I've gone through a lot of junk in the past month. I'm okay with it. I don't glorify the devil. I know the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but spiritual, and I totally agree with what Rifle says because... God's put those weapons in our hand to defeat energy and sources of darkness that come against us when we move to the light. Why does that happen? Some things just, salvation's free, but capturing the kingdom for a loving father, I don't want to say it's not free. It just comes with a price. And that's why he said count the cost. So let's read this together. This is for us. I believe, as a church and as a family. Hebrews 11.10, ready? For he was waiting expectantly and confidently, looking forward to the city which has fixed and firm foundations, whose architect and builder is God. <laughs> so if your heart's in this, it doesn't have to be. This is in a boy, you better be in this message. It, it's not. Because he's moving wherever our hearts are. Because he's just so loving and so big and so beyond our imagination. But this scripture, and I'm going to read it one more time. This was Abraham. Okay? Because he was venturing from the known. Danielle, can you bring up your team? Into the unknown, if you're okay with that. Okay. He was, Abraham was waiting expectantly and confidently looking forward to the city which has fixed and firm foundations. So I'm going to say harvest renewal was looking forward to the city which has fixed and firm foundations, Ryan Bastris' word. And I believe the best fixed and firm foundation today, it's going to change down the road, is healing the past so that we can move and gain traction into the future fixed and firm foundation whose architect and builder is God. So in closing, I'm going to hand off to you and skip back there if you're good with that. Do whatever you want. I'll give it to Rifle. You're good there, Rifle. Come on up. I'm about to hand off to you anyway. Please remember, I respect where you've been. I respect what you've been through because I don't know, but God knows. But just be encouraged when you begin to think about the past or something that happened that was difficult comes to your mind very naturally. It doesn't have to be Shazam again. Just be encouraged by the Spirit of God. Be encouraged that He's about moving and He's about healing things in your heart. And He's sometimes about bringing answers. And He's sometimes going to say closure is just trusting that I'm good because I don't have an answer for you today and I may never while you're here but I think that's the lesser I think the greater is that he's given you a past to stand on wicked cruel things that may have occurred unusual grievous complex difficult ready 
I'm making simple, says God. Narrow may be the way that leads to life, and few may be those who find it. But I'm making you the few. Just receive. I'm doing this, says God. Simply because I want to. And simply because I'm bringing about wholeness. I'm bringing my conclusion, says God. And no weapon formed against you shall prosper, says the Lord. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. My destiny is my business for you. And my love, oh, my love, is what's going to do this thing in your lives, says God. It's just stand. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the teacher of the church. We come now, we thank you for the word spoken corporately, but also individually, Lord. As we are different body parts that make up the body, thank you that you reveal to us what you want to change of our, of our past, what you want to fix in our past, so that we can stand on that firm foundation which you have already prepared. Just like Abraham, Lord believing, knowing there's a city, there's a place. That place is a real destiny. It's a real place that you want to take us to as individuals, Lord, but as the body of Harvest Renewal Church. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you know the blueprint, you know the path. The Word says so in Ephesians 2 verse 10. It's already been created. It's already been made. All we have to do, even as Pastor Brian said today, just follow. Just follow. Just follow. So we thank you that you are the one who counsels, you are the one who leads, you are the one who guides. And as the word says, Galatians 2.20, the life we now live, we live by the faith of Jesus Christ. It's your faith. We don't even have to come up with it. We just have to receive your faith and walk in that. Faith in the fact, in the truth that you're a good Abba Father who has good things in store for his body faith in the truth that you know, Lord, everything that we have gone through, where it may seem like there were times in our life where, God, where are you? Even maybe as Joseph, being thrown in the pit, thrown in prison, wondering, but you were there, you know everything, Lord. There's nothing that we have gone through that you will not use, and we thank you for that, that we can trust you in those times when it seemed like we were by ourselves. Because of that trust in you, our good and loving Father, we know there is an amazing future ahead of us. We thank you, Lord, that our, our days ahead as a body are, are, are better than the days in the past. The best is yet to come. We have not seen anything yet because you take us from faith to faith and from glory to glory word says that it, the, the days for us, the righteous, shine brighter and brighter as unto the noonday sun. So we just come now, we just say yes. Put your hand on your heart. Open your heart to Him now and just say yes. Yes. Yes for whatever you have for me. Yes for whatever you have for this body. It doesn't matter how impossible it seems. It doesn't matter how ridiculous we say yes. We open ourselves, our hearts, our mouths, and we say yes to you. A loud and resounding yes. How can we not say yes to such a loving Father? How can we not say yes to the plans that you had for us before Adam and Eve walked in the Garden of Eden? We say yes. Right now we say yes. So we bless you with our yeses now, Father. We bless you. We love you. We say yes over and over again. Yes, yes, yes. Like a wedding anniversary. Yes, every year it gets better. We say yes. 
every day with you, yes. So today, right now, in this moment, we come, Lord, and we say yes. We thank you. Thank you for the word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for breathing on that word. Thank you for making the word come alive, changing our future and destiny from good to better to best. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for this. In Jesus' precious name. Worship uh, the worship team. The prayer team will just come up. We would love to pray with you. If you need prayer for anything, come to the front, please. We would love to pray with you, pray for you, bless you. Thank you for coming. Be blessed, and we shall see you next Sunday. God bless.